Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Family Business Today podcast, where every family business has a story to tell and a step to take to not only thrive, but working together, create a lasting family legacy. I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Marvin L. Storm. Marvin has more than 30 years of experience in multiple location operations management, mergers, acquisitions, and developing and executing business exit strategies. After receiving his BS in accounting, he spent his early career with a big four accounting firm. Since then, he has launched and acquired businesses, worked with executive teams nationwide designing and implementing business growth and exit strategies, is a host of the Business Exit Stories podcast, and is currently writing a book on the art and science of executing successful business exit strategies. Well, hello, Marvin. Hi, um, I'm excited for our little chat this morning. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of Family Business Today. I've been looking forward to hearing more about your experience with family business exits. Uh, no, I have a, uh, a lot of uh, stories that I can share with you about family businesses, succession, <laughs> and you know, people not really thinking ahead that sometimes doesn't benefit yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get into that. And, you know, uh, nothing, there's nothing better than stories. So uh, I know you do that uh, with your your podcast as well. So we love stories. But well, let's start off, uh, Marvin, uh, uh, your background, uh, you're an entrepreneur and, and have exited and sold several businesses yourself. Tell us why your last business exit was different from all the others. Well, uh, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I uh, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My father had his own business. And so mm -hmm. I very early saw the, the challenges and the lifestyle and sometimes the long hours uh, that uh, someone with their own business, you know, puts in. Uh, he grew his business over a period of time and, you know, became relatively successful in the little small community that we lived in. I come mm -hmm. from... Uh, the Black Hills in the South in South Dakota. So yeah. very small community. And, uh, you know, he he did well for himself. And, uh, but, you know, he didn't have a, an education. Um, he grew up on a ranch and uh, stopped his education, you know, while just as he was in high school to, to, to work, you know, that was the era, you know, the depression era that a lot of folks uh, grew up in. And, and so, you know, he always wanted me to get an education, and I did. I got my degree in accounting and, and uh, thought I would, uh, you know, strike off into the big accounting firm and, you know, follow that career path. But after doing that for a while, I was playing pickup basketball with a, a friend, a couple of friends. Uh, we got together every Tuesday night for a couple of hours and, you know, you know, played basketball and we became friends. And before you knew it, uh, we started talking about business and one thing led to another and we turned in our resignations and opened up a small office in downtown and 300 hey. square feet and uh, <laughs> a couple of desks and phone and we were off to the races. And, it's a true uh, entrepreneur. True entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, my, my father-in-law thought I was absolutely nuts, you know, having a good job and a steady income and, you know, striking out where... <laughs> It yeah. was a big question mark, yeah. you know, but things worked out well. And over the, okay. over my career, I've I've had several businesses, several exits, and each one of them was a little bit different. Um, you know, entrepreneurs uh, get really good at what they do because they do it every day. 
they gain this intuitive feel for their business, how it works, competition, uh, customers, you know, and they get really pretty good at it. But when it comes to, you know, exiting a business, selling and, and stepping, stepping back, uh, they don't do that very often. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And that was the case with me. And I think probably the case with, with most folks that, that have been in business and have sold a business. Uh, it's a, a new experience. And depending on the size and the scope of the business, they're all different, uh, different issues involved. And my last exit, you know, I, I acquired a, a, an existing company, um, grew it. Uh, it was a national footprinted company. Uh, had locations around the country. And I did a lot of traveling and and over a period of, you know, several decades, it was able to scale and grow that business. And uh, uh, eventually, in order to, to do that, I brought in outside capital, which is something that, uh, you know, your audience out there that are entrepreneurs, you know, may have started on a shoestring, and they're the only, mm. you know, shareholders of a company. And that's a, kind of a different environment uh, than when you bring out outside investors and shareholders, and you have uh, responsibilities to uh, report back to the board of directors and things of that nature. And that was a whole new world for me. And, and one of the things I really didn't realize is when I took, I, although I conceptually understood it, I'd done my homework and I intellectually got it, uh, that when you take investment, especially from a fund, you know, that this is their business, they make investments into companies to help them grow they have their own set of objectives and goals. And one of those is that they have a timeline that they want to be able to monetize their investment so they can show a return to their investors. So their investors will leave their money and maybe even invest more money into their next fund. And so they have a very specific um, game plan. And that game plan generally has a you know, anywhere a four to seven year window on the holding of investments. And I understood that intellectually, as I said, but when the time came that they said, well, it's time now to start positioning your company to be sold, I was not ready. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just getting rolling in my view anyway. Mm -hmm. And I made the strong argument that we should stay and get a lot bigger return on the investment because we were hitting critical mass and had a lot of momentum, but that didn't really make a lot of difference to them. They had their goals and objectives. And so I stepped away from the business and we sold it. Uh, and so I thought at that time, you know, I'm just going to step back, take it easy. I pulled up stakes, moved out of the San Francisco Bay area up to uh, what is called, those who are familiar with California, it's called the gold country where they discovered gold mm -hmm. back in the 1840s and 50s. And a and, um, little different lifestyle. And I thought this was going to be great, you know, just take it easy and enjoy life. And I did that for a while. And after spending so many years in the fast lane, you know, with the pedal to the metal, sort of speak, then pulling over to the right lane and the slow lane uh, just didn't fit my, you know, personality, quite frankly. Sure, I'd sure. been, you know, that's all entrepreneurs, you know, they get a charge out of doing things. And I, I love podcasting and I listen to podcasts all the time. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to start a podcast. And uh, I got to thinking about my topic and I thought, you know, my several exits that I've had in my career, they've all been different. And I've, 
probably could have been better prepared in each of those. And if I had been, I would have done better for myself uh, because I would have just been more dialed in. And so I thought I'm going to do a podcast about that. And instead mm-hmm. of interviewing entrepreneurs that had sold their business, which was really my first thought, I decided I would actually talk to the people that facilitate exits, you know, the deal makers, the the business brokers, CPAs, mergers and acquisition people, wealth managers, attorneys, uh, investment bankers, anyone that's involved in helping entrepreneurs uh, position and exit their business. They probably have a lot of great war stories they could bring to the podcast. And that's really uh, proved out to be true. Some of the folks I interview have handled hundreds of transactions and they bring their best to the to the table and we chat about why exits went sideways, maybe didn't sell uh, or sold for a lot less. And some that went really well, sometimes spectacularly well. And why, why did that outcome happen? And these takeaways are so insightful for business owners out there that, uh, you know, someday are going to have to figure out what they're gonna do with their business and, you know, there's only so many things that can happen to a business because you aren't going to live forever. So you, you sort of oh. got to figure it out at some point in time. Well, thanks for, thanks, thanks for sharing, sharing that. What, uh, briefly, what are, what are some of the takeaways from your podcast that are so important for family businesses maybe to hear uh, this morning? Well, it's, it's a really a great question because as I mentioned earlier, entrepreneurs have become really good at what they do. But when it comes time to figure out what to do with their business, because you have to really realize that uh, only three things, basically, well, maybe four things can happen to a business. One is that you're going to pass it on to someone in the family. You're going to have a succession plan for someone that you know, a family member, an employee, a management group are going to take over the business. That's one option. And so you know who the business is going to, and they are familiar with the business. So Mm -hmm. structuring that type of transaction is uh, relatively easy comparatively. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to sell it to someone you don't know. That's a third party that isn't familiar with your business uh, and is going to need to see different types of things and are going to be concerned about uh, what... uh, what they don't know about your business and why you're selling and where the skeletons buried and mm-hmm. and um, so that's a different type of exit or uh, another type is that you're just going to wind it down you're just uh if you're a personal services business and you're kind of the rainmaker and operations guy and the marketing guy and everything else and the business really depends on you and when you're not there um you know you just figure you're going to wind it down and sell off the assets and, or maybe you'll be forced into bankruptcy, you know, involuntary mm-hmm. <laughs> wind down. Yep. Um, uh, other than those, uh, unless you're going to live forever and you plan on doing that, I guess that's an option, but not likely. And so if you're not, so if you're going to sell it to someone, you know, a family member or someone you don't know, or you're going to wind it down, those are really your only options. And so if those are your options, it just makes sense that you gotta sort of figure out which one is going to best fit your specific situation. And uh, once you identify that, then 
then you're on the path of uh, deciding uh, the next big decision is really when. Uh, yeah. When is a good time to step away? And that's a, that's a question that uh, doesn't get addressed enough because, as I said, entrepreneurs are this optimistic breed of animal that uh, they just uh, think that uh, the glass is always half full, uh, bad things aren't going to happen, and um, you know, they're, they're just going to run this business for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. There's a bad health diagnosis or you get burned out or, you know, competition, changing in technology, whatever the situation, you know, the, the environment changes. And if you're totally unprepared uh, and you don't have a timeline in, line, in mind, um, you tend to not be able to optimize and maximize all that hard work, all those long days, uh, all those years, sometimes decades of blood, sweat, and toil that you've put into your business, you just can't really monetize it how you should. Sure. And it's, it's really, unfortunately, as you know, you listen to the podcast and you hear all of these hundreds of stories on the podcast, actual stories of real entrepreneurs that have sold their business. And there's some themes that emerge. And one of them is, is that being prepared, having given some thought. Now, you don't have to have a, you know, December 31st of 2025 or whenever that it doesn't have to be that specific, but it has to be, you have to have given some thought to a general time frame, And then you need to start working toward that because once you start working toward uh, some point in the future, you think about your business a little bit differently. You make different decisions mm -hmm. on how you uh, approach contracts and employees and customers and uh, you just think a little bit differently. And when you start thinking differently, then the business evolves a little bit differently. And when you, because you've made different decisions that are really with the exit in mind, you tend to be a whole lot better positioned the closer you get. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, um, you know, uh, our, our listeners are family business, business, uh, Owners uh, who, as you say, would live, uh, expect to live forever. They're out, they're working uh, in their business many times rather than own their business, and they feel like uh, that the transition will just take care of itself when they're ready to do that. But in your experience, how is a family business exit different from a non-family business exit? Well, they are different. Um, because of the, the, I guess, the emotion that's involved, the family business, uh, generally the entrepreneurs take a great deal of pride in what they do. Uh, they're very close to their customers. They have a high sense of value on the services and the products that they deliver. And they just tend to be very, very committed uh, to the business because a lot of times, they start from scratch and it's taken them a long time to build critical mass and to make a good living and sometimes a very good living. Uh, and it's just hard to get to the emotional state of mind that uh, you're going to turn this over to somebody else. And if you turn it over to a family and you have a succession plan that is second generation, third generation, mm -hmm. that's great. You know, unfortunately in the world 
today, you know, multi-generational businesses are a relatively rare breed because that second or third generation, they have different objectives and goals and have view the world differently. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times don't want to step into the day-to-day -day grind of, of running a business. Mm -hmm. uh, you're fortunate if you do have Mm -hmm. uh, kids that have grown up in the business, understand the business, and are excited to take over the business. And that takes planning, you know, because sometimes you have kids that want to take over and sometimes kids that don't want to be involved and you have those type of issues. And so you really need to deal with someone that's kind of experienced in uh, family succession planning and, and to structure that to where everyone is treated fairly. But for those that are going to sell to someone they don't know to a third party, uh, it takes it takes a different mindset to get to that for a place as a family-owned business because mm -hmm. sometimes you just don't want to let go because it's so personal to you. But that time will come, and if you're not selling it or passing it on to people that you know, then you have to start thinking like a buyer who doesn't know you, what they're going to want to see to be able to write you the check that you want written when you sell the business. Uh, because if you don't give a buyer what they need and the type of information that they're going to need to want to understand to be able to write you that check that you want, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't happen automatically. And so I've often asked, you know, uh, folks, you know, that have family owned businesses, would you write a check for the amount of money that you want? Because every most entrepreneurs, uh, you know, think their business is a whole worth a whole lot more than it really is. Yeah. You know, they think it's worth a million bucks, you know, when it's really only worth 750,000. And they just can't understand that because they're so close to it. But what the valuation metrics will show and demonstrate and what the marketplace will tell you because yours won't be the only business that a buyer is looking at there are you know specific metrics that are involved that you know people that are involved in helping you sell your business are going to rely on those metrics to tell you what the business is actually going to be able to be sold at and so even that's a challenge if you don't have the information that a buyer wants to see, then they don't believe you. Yeah. Well, let's build on that just, just a little bit. So let's just say a family business owner has decided I'm ready to transition, whether it be to my children or to uh, a third party buyer, to, a, uh, 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 to his employees. You know, there's many, many uh, options to, to selling position. But what what are just a few things that a business owner should maybe consider to, to get their business positioned for a successful exit? Well, that's the golden question, actually, right there. Mm -hmm. And the best way that I believe to get to that point of mind or that state of mind that you think about your business, how you should be thinking about it. So I mentioned this a little bit earlier before. Yeah. Just walk around to the other side of the table and sit down and say, if I were buying my business, what would I pay for it? And what would I want to see to justify the check I'm going to write? That will shift the mindset a lot of times by a buyer, uh, a seller thinking like a buyer 
And then you kind of work toward that. It's really no more complicated than that. And so if you are a buyer, what would you normally see, want to see? Well, you're going to want to see if the, if the business is making any money. And if it is making money, how much and how confident am I that what I'm being told is actual fact? Uh, there are stories on the podcast where people have, you know, fraudulently uh, crafted financial statements and tax returns by altering them, bank statements, uh, you know, to reflect a much more rosy picture than actually existed. Uh, it does happen. And so, you know, what are you as a seller going to need to provide that buyer? So one of the first things are financial statements and how reliable are those financial statements and how clean are they? Because, you know, family owned businesses, they use their business and justifiably so. I did when I had my business and it was smaller. I use my business as a tax planning tool. I timed revenue recognition. I, you know, captured as much expenses as I could in the business because I was much younger and I wasn't thinking about selling the business. So I didn't really think that far ahead, you know, when I was in my 30s and 40s. Uh, but once you get, start getting closer to the time you're going to sell your business, you have to shift gears a little bit because if you're a business and you've always driven revenue as low as you can to the business and someone is looking at buying it, true, a lot of those expenses can be adjusted out and to reflect, you know, you know, a reality of how profitable the business is operationally. But when you start backing things out and you've thrown everything in the kitchen sink to run through the business it just creates issues for the buyer by at, they they start scratching their head and say what else is yeah. going on in the business yeah. and yeah. so when when there are questions about the financial statements and all the adjustments that are being made and things of that nature um you know you have uh, perceived risk and when you have questions that end in perceived risk, then what a buyer is going to do is hedge his risk by doing two things. One, making a lower price offer. Two, by increasing the terms, making the terms more restrictive. He may want to uh, reduce the amount of money that he puts down and ask you as the seller to carry back uh, some of the purchase price in a promissory note. And if that purchase is going to be funded by a bank, then you have to satisfy the bank. And, you know, that means your tax returns have to tie to your financial statements and all of those type of things. And if you've done none of this planning in advance to prepare for that day, then you're pulling things together at the last minute and they don't, they aren't really, uh, well structured and tied together and they look a little bit uh, sloppy with a, you know maybe a, an unprofessional term to use but they're just not as tight as they should be mm -hmm. and uh, it just makes the transition to sell you know much more difficult so that's number one is that you have to start thinking like a buyer yeah. and what a buyer is going to want to see and one of the first things they're going to want to see is how much money is the business making and how confident am I that mm. this is actual fact? Okay. So, so Marvin, um, I 
I, I know uh, a family business owner will thinking about transitioning and he'll say, well, Greg, why does it have to be so darn difficult? <laughs> uh, what are some of the pros and cons of en enlisting the help of a uh, uh, advisor, consultant, uh, a professional of some sort to facilitate an exit for a family business owner? Well, there's certainly the opportunity and a lot. Of, if you're running a successful business, one of the things that will happen is that you'll get inbound interest from buyers. Mm -hmm. They will just call you up and say, I'm interested in buying your business. It happened to me when I, it, most of the businesses that I have, people would say, you know, are you interested in selling? If you are, I'd like to talk to you about it because I've looked around and I see your business and, you know, I'd like to chat with you about uh, buying your business. And a lot of times uh, the timing is just right. <laughs> you know, most of the mm -hmm. time I said, no, nah, I'm not really interested. You know, thanks for the call. I'll take your number and uh, change my mind. I'll, I'll reach out to you. But uh, it just wasn't the right timing for me. Wasn't even interested in talking about it. Uh, but sometimes you just right time. You know, you've had uh, some concerns, maybe health wise, or your wife's after you to stop working so hard, and, and it's getting more competitive. It isn't as fun as it used to be, and uh, so you entertain, uh, mm -hmm. you know, these inbound inquiries, and you try to handle the transaction yourself. And I'll give you a, a story right out of the podcast not too long ago, where this happened to a buyer. Uh, it was back pre-COVID. And uh, inbound call from a, a larger company that was interested in buying the company. And it was just, just happened to be the right timing. And so he opened up discussions and uh, they progressed rather, rather quickly. The, the price seemed fair. It was a larger company. It was going to be a cash, you know, high, most of cash deal. And the wife got excited. He got excited, you know, now that he was going to be selling his business and then COVID hit. And if you remember the first few months of COVID, everything went into slow motion and people yeah. were just don't, don't know, couldn't, wanted to take a pause and say, let's wait for a few months and see what's going to happen. And that's what happened here. And that was very depressing for him because he was all teed up because they were weeks away from closing the transaction and they already had their plans booked and travel and seeing grandkids and everything like that. And and uh, so when COVID hit, uh, they, they didn't want to stop. So at that point in time, they reached out to a business broker, uh, brought him in, <clears throat> and uh, the, the uh, person sat down and said, you know, you really have a great business here. Even though we have COVID going on, sales seem to be holding up. Why don't you, I think I know the type of buyers that might be interested in this business different than the people you've been talking to. Um, so why don't we take a few months and kind of let me work and put together, a, you know, a presentation, uh, a packet, a, call it an offering memorandum you know, and let me go out and talk to some people. And they said, well, that's fine and everything. And of course it just killed the entrepreneur to know that he wasn't going to have to pay a commission, you know, when he was doing the deal himself. And, and now he's going to have to pay all this money and a commission. And, but he, he, they were motivated so that they moved ahead. And three or four months later, they came back and, and they went formally to market. And because of the size, you know, it was a family owned business, but it was fairly significant in size. And, 
So they had what is called a blind auction. They didn't actually list the price. They went out to people that might be interested in the business and basically told them, here's the, all the information and financials and everything else about the business, make your best offer. And they went out and uh, his uh, business intermediary, the broker went back to the person that was interested in buying the business initially and uh, had them made the best offer. And when they found out the business was actually being marketed and sold now, and a few months down the road, um, they came back and they also found out that some of the other people that were interested in their business were their competitors. And they did not want to have this business fall into the hands of a competitor. And so to make a very long story short, the same company that had approached and was negotiating personally paid three times more for the business because the business broker was able to structure the transaction to get more people at the table and tell a little bit different story about how, mm -hmm. how the business could be expanded and grown. And, mm -hmm. and so the, the money that he paid in, in, you know, commissions to have the business sold. And for the extra money that he got back was the best investment he ever made in his whole career. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's just one re one kind of story. Now, every transaction doesn't work out that, but, you know, doing it yourself because you haven't done it as an entrepreneur, business owner, sold a business unless you do it routinely. Uh, there are a lot of things that you miss that someone that does it every day for their living are able to bring a lot more expertise to the table. And generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, the money that you'll pay uh, to get the business sold, uh, added value created by the expert will more than offset that amount of money that's paid. Right. Not always, oh, yeah. but in most cases. In most cases, in most cases. Well, uh, we could talk on for for a long time about a great subject and you're a great uh, uh, guest to have some great expertise. But uh, as we end our time together, could you offer one piece of advice to a family business owner about uh, planning a business exit? What, what would it be? The one piece of advice that I would give, uh, basically two, one is don't wait to think about it. Start thinking now, uh, even though it may be years down the road, you know, th start thinking about it now. You don't have to do a lot, but you need to get in a different frame of mind because mm -hmm. you will make different decisions. And secondly, if you can replace yourself in the business where you don't have to be there every day and you have put together a team or a general manager or someone that can operate the business while you're away, the number of buyers that are interested in that type of business is two, three times more than if you're the key person in the mm -hmm. business, because then you're trying just to find someone that will work as hard as you will be as committed to the business that wants to come in every day. And so different types of buyers, you know, if you can get the type of buyer where someone can focus on growing the business instead of being there every day, there are multiple numbers of buyers out there more than just trying to replace yourself when you sell your business. Well, Marvin, thank you for being my guest on our Family Business Day podcast. Please accept our best wishes for continued success for you. And we didn't get a chance to talk about it much, but about your uh, book, Pack Your Parachute. To learn more now, one about- thing, One thing yeah. I might mention here, yeah. though, is mm -hmm. 
I, I am I am going to be writing a book, and it's called Pack Your Parachute. And but one of the things I would really suggest that any family business out there that is starting to think about this, go to the podcast Business Exit Stories wherever you get your podcast, and just listen because they're all stories. They're short, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, each story is about that long, and there are a number of stories on each podcast. If you listen to this over a period of time, you'll start to see all of the different things that can and happen to a business and that you can learn from the experience of others. I also have a report. If you just go to businessexitstories.com forward slash report, uh, I have a report on how to double the value of your business and the amount of money you put in your pocket when you sell. So that's a great read. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, to learn more about Marvin uh, Storm, his podcast, Business Exit Stories, and his book, Pack Your Parachute, visit his website at www.marvinlstorm.com. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for Family Business Today podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and working together create a lasting family legacy. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you are wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business advisor about your specific family business needs, Schedule a 30-minute no-cost call by sending us an email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. So until next time, thank you for joining us.